are listening to Masks Off with host and life coach Kim Gross. My goal is to help people to go from people pleasing and perfectionism to powerful. I help you to uncover these patterns, own your shit, and remove these masks to live a more empowered life using my five step power pathway that takes you from people pleaser and perfectionist to powerful. Let's drop into this week's episode. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim Gross, and today I have a guest with me, Margot Zare, and she actually was on Masks Off a long time ago, well over a year, I think. So I'm so happy that you're back, Margot, and really looking forward to our conversation together. But before we do jump in, I'm going to start with a quote as I normally do. And the quote is one of Marco's quotes, and it is, overwhelm allows you to feel safe and avoid facing the real issues masquerading as the three masks of overwhelm. So we can probably spend the whole time just unpacking that alone, and we will dive into that. But before that, would you like to introduce yourself, yourself again to the audience? Hi, Kim. Thanks, first of all, for having me back on this show. I'm really happy to be here. And again, I'm Margot Zayer, and I'm a life empowerment and relationship coach. And I really love supporting women in creating life, lives and relationships they love. So I'm excited to talk about the topic tonight or today. Absolutely. And you've written a book. Yes, I have a book called The Golden Cage from Entrapment to Empowerment. And it's really about getting out of some of those places where we're stuck and disempowered and basically overwhelmed or not in our power and really stepping into our full potential as, you know, individuals and living our life purpose. Absolutely. And I don't know if you're wanting to share now or maybe a little bit later, but you are fairly newly married. And you're in a new relationship. And like, I know that's a big part of your story. Yes. So um, I'm super excited. I got married in June. Um, we've been together for about three and a half years. And um, so part of my story that's actually in the golden cage from traveling to empowerment is really getting out of what I call the golden cage, which is when you, it looks beautiful from the outside and it's all like bejeweled and bedazzled. People are like, wow, you have the most amazing relationship or the most amazing career, but really inside you're suffering. Your heart feels like empty and kind of like, this isn't really what I want. So anyway, I was in a relationship like that for many years. And the story, that book is a lot about me really looking inside, figuring out some of the masks that I was wearing in that relationship and taking them off and really going after my heart's calling and eventually manifesting the man of my dreams. And I've been just, I feel so grateful and so lucky to be living such a beautiful and such a beautiful, amazing soulmate relationship right now with my beloved. So it's, mm. it's really been beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. And congratulations, by the way, on that. Thank That's, you. that is great. <laughs> So let me ask you this, because you just said that in your prior relationship that you wore many masks, and if you are willing to share what those were with the audience, and then when you were aware, once you were aware of those masks, 
what did you do or how did you begin to take them off so that you could, and did that lead to the work that you do today and how that led to you even manifesting this soulmate relationship that you have? Yeah. So that's lots that's of questions in there. In that question. There's yeah. a lot. <laughs> Do tell us, please share, share. <laughs> so I, I think I definitely had a, a mask of inadequacy that I, I, I'm not being good enough. And so having the sense of having to settle. Um, so really, I think this happens to a lot of us in relationship. I was like, okay, well, there's these good things. And okay, well, I can just kind of not, I can settle. I don't need these things over here. I'm not really, maybe I'm not really good enough for those or my dreams of having somebody who would meet me over here that, you know, that's maybe not necessary. So I was kind of wearing this, this inadequacy was really like, I guess at my core. So I was settling for a relationship that didn't really support me in many ways. Mm. And when I really got that, I wasn't being supported and it didn't feel good. There was a lot of pretending in it. So the other mask, I think was kind of the mask of everything is okay. And the mask of I'm okay. You know, we're okay. Sort of putting on this, like, Oh, nothing's really wrong over here. And I'm going to just, you know, move forward and pretend that we have a perfect kind of relationship. There was a little bit of that kind of perfectionist thing. And like, because we, my ex, and I, we had a really big following. We had like 17,000 people on this, on this list. We had a lot of like mm-hmm. daily interaction with, so we were kind of almost a little bit of a public couple Yeah. and a lot of people really looked, looked up to us and our story and we had created something together. And so it was really hard to be real and say, you know what, this isn't actually showing up the way that it looks from the outside. So there was a lot of like, oh yeah, this is perfect and beautiful and we're fine and everything's beautiful on the outside. But yet inside I was suffering. I was really unhappy and wasn't getting a lot of my core needs met. Mm. And, And I think a lot of listeners can relate to that. I'm sure either being in a relationship like that or even in a career or a job, just that feeling stuck of, you know, I don't want to be here. I'm not feeling fulfilled, but I really don't know how to get or step outside of this. So how did, what was it for you that finally woke you up or gave you what you needed to step outside of that? Well, as you'll find out in the book, if if you decide to read it, Mm. um, I kind of, what really happened was that I got to a place where I I invited in, I think someone else into the relationship, like energetically, um, because I basically was like, one day I was like, this is not going to work. This is not working for me. I was really suffering. And I said, okay, something has to change. Like universe, I need help. Something has to change. Well, I was hoping that it would change in a much more subtle way or that some healing would occur. But really what I did is I, I think energetically invited somebody in to kind of actually create so much upset that I had no more choice, but to be, to get into my power and say, this is done. So basically my ex ended up falling in love with someone else. Mm. And I had to really step up to the plate and say, okay, this is not going to work for me. And we are done with this relationship. Um, but which was really, it was a very challenging time in my life because I had to look at a lot of my kind of unconscious behaviors and desire to people please. There was a lot of people pleasing, a desire to just keep things like in this, like everything's beautiful and not really look at the reality. Mm. 
of, of the fact that he actually had fallen in love with someone else. <laughs> yeah, that must have been really hard. One of the things I learned is that you can't get somebody else to change who they are and how they feel. And I kept thinking if I could just get him to do X, Y, Z, something will be better. If he will go to therapy, if he will talk to his friend about this, he will see that we have a beautiful relationship and he doesn't need this other girl, other woman. And that was just me like trying to like grasp a hold of the relationship instead of being like, okay, you know, I need to let go. This isn't really serving me. It never was serving me. And all this hoping somebody will change um, definitely doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the hardest lessons for us to learn is that we cannot change people, places, or things. We only can control or change ourselves. Yeah. You know, us, that's the serenity prayer and the prayer that they use in all of 12 step meetings and for really good reason. They do. <laughs> so I'm so thankful that you shared that with us. And, and again, I go back to, I think that so many people could relate to that, um, just feeling the stuckness and then but hiding behind the mask of everything is okay and putting on a facade or a front that my life is good, my life is perfect. And we don't we don't go out there and show the world what's really going on. Like what's really a lot of times, you know, we hide behind we hide the bone, we hide the vulnerable parts to ourselves. Forget about letting the world know. Right. We don't even want to deal with them ourselves. Right. right. I mean, I, I think that's what I was talking about with this world, this word overwhelm. I've, I've become more and more aware that it's a common cultural tendency just to say, oh, I'm overwhelmed. My relationship just is overwhelming or my my work is overwhelming. And we use the word overwhelmed and think it kind of gives us permission to not look at things to some degree. Oh, that's just overwhelming. I'm going to put it to the side and go kind of, um, you know, numb out a bit. I'm going to go hang out over here or watch a movie or, or do something different or and I'm not going to really look at what's going on so I think that it feels safer to list something as overwhelmed versus really looking at what's going on it's almost as if what you're saying is an avoidant strategy so rather than dealing rather than taking 100% responsibility which is what I teach in my program is that we have to own our shit. We have to own it. We have to take hundred percent responsibility for our part in it and for our own healing. We cannot wait for anyone on the outside to come and change those situations that feel like quote overwhelm. We are the only ones, again, going back to the quote, we're, we can, we are the only ones who can change or control ourselves. Right. And so, so how, so how do you help? Like, cause how do you, in your practice, in your work, how do you help people to stop avoiding and start dealing? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one of the things I think, first of all, the number one thing to do is to create awareness around what is really happening. So if you push things under the rug, you're never going to be able to make anything different. So asking the right questions. What is really happening here? And how do you really feel about this area of your life? I think getting in touch with those, like, how do you really feel about your relationship? 
and asking the right questions to get clarity is, is, is this something that feels good? Is your heart expansive? Getting in touch with your heart's connection to it. This feel expansive and full of light and something you're excited about, or does it feel heavy and dark and so forth? It gives you a sense of what's really going on to some degree about work. You know, are you avoiding doing something at work because you say it's overwhelming, like, maybe writing a book you've always wanted to write or, you know, taking some sort of course or doing some sort of public speaking, you just say overwhelmed, but really what's beneath it. Are you afraid to do, to do that? You know, is fear really stopping you? So you got to, I think, go in deeper and ask yourself those questions. And I kind of focus on <clears throat> helping people really see like the core fear or the core negative belief that's holding them back. Yeah, I agree. And I do the same as well, because you just, you know, nailed it. A lot of times when we are afraid to step outside our comfort zone, and, and this is what I talk about often with the perfectionist, because the perfectionist is like all or nothing. And when a perfectionist is going to do something new, like say you just gave the example of do public speaking and the, the person has never spoken on a stage before, never, and says, okay, I'm going to start a public speaking career. I want to go out. I want to inspire. I want to, you know, motivate people. And then the perfectionist would expect to go from never being on a stage to being able to do it all at once, like perfectly, no growth, no growth curve at all. No mistakes in between. Just get it all done. I'm it. That's it. I'm there now. And because that's often unrealistic to do that, or even if the perfectionist tries and then starts to fail, well, then it's like, oh, okay. Then the self-doubt or the inadequacy, the I'm not good enough starts to creep in the inner dialogue. You start to hear those tapes and voices. And then before you know, it, it's like, you know, you're talk about avoiding. Now you're not like reaching out to see who and where you can speak or the inner dialogue might be, ah, I, you know what? I didn't really want to do that anyway. You know, I really didn't want, I thought I wanted to be a speaker, but I really didn't. And thus that person can then play small again start to play, play small, do what's easy, do what's comfortable, do what's familiar. And it goes back to what you're saying, because what's underneath, underneath, underneath is I feel inadequate. I don't feel good enough. I'm not worthy enough to be on a stage speaking. If that's the example we're talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah. If you are wondering, am I really a people pleaser? Am I really a perfectionist? I can help you find those answers and discover what you can do about it right now to shift into your power. Or maybe you have an idea that you're a people pleaser or a perfectionist, but you're not sure to what extent you are one. You can find out more by taking the people pleaser and perfectionist quiz. The link is in the show notes. Great, great way of describing the whole process that happens for a lot of us. I mean, the, I think the mask of inadequacy, which is one of those masks we hide, we hide behind a lot, you know, and yeah. say, oh, I'm just overwhelmed, just shows up in so many different ways. And without really diving in, we just keep 
ourselves stuck in our lives without realizing we're doing it. Like I did it with my book, that book, The Golden Cage from Entrapment to Empowerment, the one we've been talking about. Yeah. I didn't write it for many years because I kept saying I'm overwhelmed. When in reality, when I really stopped and finally somebody like said, why are you not writing this book? I really got that I was feeling inadequate because of something somebody said to me when I was going to college, they said, you are a terrible writer. I literally took that on and I had to kind of undo some programming that was in my subconscious about my ability to write. Once I was able to undo that programming, I actually wrote this book in three months. It mm. had nothing to do with not having time with not having space in my schedule. And that was just like a huge wake up call for me to really get how we hold ourselves back by saying, oh, I'm just overwhelmed. Instead of really looking at that, we might be feeling inadequate. That's one example. Yeah, and I love that example. And I often will use the quote um, from Teddy Roosevelt and Brene Brown quotes it about daring greatly. Mm. And so daring greatly means going into the arena. You went into the arena eventually and wrote that book. And the, pe the people that are in the stands that are judging or criticizing or maybe saying, you know, why would she write your college teacher? You know, you're not a good writer, like that kind of thing. They're the ones who are in the stands. They're not the ones that are going into the arena. And it's hard because we are going to get sweaty. We are going to get bloody. We are going to get dusty when we go in the arena. It's going to happen. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. But the difference is being able to get back up on your feet and continuing to have the bravery and the courage to dare greatly mm. in spite of the judgment and the criticism. I love the word to dare greatly. I mean, those words together are so powerful. Mm. And one of the things I think that also is like such a trap is that somehow or another, many of us have been conditioned to believe that mistakes should never happen to try to avoid mistakes instead of embracing mistakes and realizing that they're part of the learning process and that we need to make mistakes and to almost rejoice at making mistakes. Like I really have become much more focused on over the years of my own life and working with clients, like how can we really celebrate mistakes and figure out what we're learning from them and take them as part of life versus this big, like I've got to avoid making a mistake at all costs. And once you let go of that, paradigm of having to avoid making mistakes I think there's a lot more freedom that comes and a lot more ability to step out of your comfort zone into the great unknown you know to dare greatly absolutely and so I wore the perfectionist mask my whole <laughs> life so I know what you're saying to avoid mistakes at all costs like for sure right and that is a hallmark sign of being a perfectionist is to avoid them and now you're so right. I celebrate when something is up for me. I'm really excited because now I look at it as an opportunity for me to grow even more because one of my core values is growth. Mm -hmm. And I've been on a journey of personal growth for decades. So, and if my soul is here to evolve and grow, I'm like, yep. Okay. Here's another pattern. You know, let me add it. Let me see how I can transform this energy so that I can grow. But that was not the case my whole life. I really just <laughs> had to, you know, my house had to look a certain way. It had to be all perfect and neat. If someone was coming over, if I was, you know, writing a paper, oh my God, don't even let me get started on papers. And if I got less than an A, it was like, 
it was a almost like it was a reflection of me, you know, mm-hmm. like I was less than if I didn't get an A. It was a paper, it was a test that I, <laughs> but I was so identified with the outcome or that validation because from again, programming at an early age. So my story is that I share often is at the age of 10, when my mom had a parent teacher conference with my teacher, he said to her that Kim is the pleasure to have in class. And I would say, AKA, that means that she's a people pleaser. She's compliant. She's a good girl. She doesn't cause any problems. However, she is not working to her full potential. So something, you know, turned on inside my brain, let me start applying myself. And when I applied and I started getting those good grades and got that external validation, somehow in my programming, I equated getting all those comments, remarks, like excellent, great job. So proud of you. That was my worth. That that's what made me feel worthy and valuable. And it's like, oh, okay. Because just being, just being quote unquote, being like a little girl, just playing and being, wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough for me to feel whole and worthy on the inside. So I was like searching out there for this validation that would make me feel whole. And then thus the perfection mask was born for me because then I started to overachieve and I overachieved in sports and school and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So until it was what it was until it wasn't anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's a powerful story about showing, especially the formation of a mask and how it comes about. And I think that there's so much conditioning in our childhood that starts somehow a mask forming or maybe multiple masks, depending on who you are. And the perfectionist one though, is one that the society almost pushes and thinks it's almost okay. And I I think a lot of children, unfortunately, are falling into that um, place where there's a lot of emphasis on good grades, sport achieving in sports. You know what I mean? Instead of like who you are as a human being, the value that you just from existing, just from being a playful child. And so it takes a lot, I think, to recognize the condition that we're kind of, we're facing yes. <laughs> as society. Anyway. I totally agree with you on that. And that, that is a whole like separate <laughs> topic, the whole, yeah, about the education system for sure. <laughs> so I know that you mentioned a little bit about the inadequacy mass that you, in your relationship, but would you say that there are any other masks that you have worn in the past or continue to and do you want to share? Yes. I mean, going back to the, the beginning quote, one of the things that um, also struck me as, you know, an entrepreneur is that I hide behind this mask of what I call the mask of chaos, which is really actually, again, hiding um, a lack of decision making and, and really procrastination. But what I would say is the way it shows up for many people, and I I really have a challenge with this, is a ton of ideas. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. This is a great idea. And, and, and okay, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to start a new newsletter. No, maybe I'm going to do a new podcast. Maybe I'm going to do. And so we get ourselves wrapped up in so many options 
But really, we have very little information about any of these these options, we don't really know where they go or if they're a good idea or how to do any of them. And so we get into this kind of chaotic loop. And I feel that's that's a mask. I've worn the mask of chaos where you're just kind of like mm. in this chaotic feeling. Because what what if you go a layer deep, what it's really, you know, getting to is you're not clear on what's really important to you and what you really need in your life. And so you're just grasping hold of different things like, oh, look, another little goodie. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do this. So a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with, especially fall into this huge mask of chaos. And so they just tell me they're overwhelmed and, <laughs> and that's it, that they don't know what to do with it. Again, that a mask is hiding. It's an avoidance strategy of not really looking at what is it I really need? What's true for my heart? Where do I really want to go? What's my passion? I mean, getting deeper into like, what's my truth about my business or my relationship? You know what? I'm so glad that you brought that up because I feel like that has been a topic that I've been talking a lot about with a variety mm -hmm. of different people. And I think it's an, an important question to ask and it's important work to be able to go you know, deep within to live in alignment with our true self. And we so don't, we, we are conditioned to wear these masks and to live out according to what we think people expect or what we think society expects. And we are not taught to go in and tap into our heart or our, you know, what is our deepest longing for what we want to do now, put aside the fact that, you know, we have to put food on the table. We have to have food, clothing, and shelter. Those are basic needs. When you go beyond the basic needs, that's when we really need to start, in my opinion, going inward and teach others how to do that. Because right. if not, and this is another thing that I talk about in my talks and say all the time, is that we will have deathbed regrets. Right. And that's what we want to avoid, right? We don't want to be on our deathbed and say, my biggest regret in life was that I didn't live according to what I truly wanted to do. I didn't even know what my heart's desire was because I didn't even take the time to explore. I just right. was in this overwhelm and chaos and the rat race and the hamster wheel. I didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, life is so, there's so much coming at all of us and there, there's so much input that it's important to know how to sort and how to really get to what is our heart's calling and what is true for us. And one of the things that I work with my clients a lot and myself is learning what the, I call it the yes signals are for the heart and what the no signals are and really getting in touch with how is the heart communicating? Because you can't actually trust your mind. Your mind can justify basically anything. And so it will waver back and forth and many minds will just vasculate. Oh, like I should do this. No, I shouldn't do that. And then they get into this indecision and the self-doubt that creates a lot of procrastination and a lot of confusion. And so that's some of the work that I, I'm really passionate about is how do you get out of this kind of mental confusion place of chaos into like your heart and get more grounded into like, this is my truth. Mm. This is what I really need to feel fulfilled. This is my 
kind of purpose and what I'm meant to to do on the planet and how to support myself and others, you know? So it's a, a deeper level than all this swirling stuff that happens in our mind. <laughs> I 100% agree. And, and I'm doing the same, you know, with, <laughs> with the power pathway for sure is helping people to unhook from the patterns and to really go into their hearts and their bodies and to, he and, and heal and heal the pain from the patterns, because that's what's causing all of this to happen. When you say in the mind back and forth, it's the limiting belief systems and the mm -hmm. inner dialogue that's coming from past conditioning, coming from those core wounds. And that's, what's feeling everything. And until we can heal those parts of us, it's really hard to tap into the heart and body. I mean, it's something that I for sure have found challenging. I think that for so many of us, we live in our heads and in our minds and, and we're not even quite sure what it feels like to be in our body and in our heart. And so it's an experiential thing that to experience like, wow, the heart actually is expanding. I can feel a yes in my body. And it's a beautiful thing when you can tap into that feeling yet it takes practice. And I always say to people I work with my clients, like, okay, practice on things that really aren't that important. Like, what are you going to have for dinner? What are you, you know, are you going to buy this? Do you want to buy this dress or not? You know, yeah. learn the, learn these signals before, you know, you go off and try to make big decisions with the, with, the, with only the heart, because you're not used to that feeling in your body, but it takes, anyway, it takes practice for those of you who may be listening, who are like, well, it's super hard. I don't know if I can do this. Cause that's where a lot of people go through is this. It's really hard phase of that. At least in my experience. <laughs> I agree because we're, again, I go back to, we're not taught yeah. how to do it. We are conditioned to live from the neck up. So I feel like people really do struggle with knowing how to go into the body. And it sounds like you do that and I do similar work. So, and I think there are more and more people out there that are going into the world of coaching where they are learning how to do that and helping people to get there. And it's so needed. Yeah, so needed. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So, well, I have five rapid fire questions for you. Similar okay. to a year and a half ago. I know don't get nervous. They're simple ones. They might even be, some might be from before. So we'll see if they've changed from a year and a half ago. The, well, here's one. I know that it is different. What's your favorite food? <laughs> I know people are like, what, why are you asking me that? <laughs> that is such a hard question. It really is. Stumping because everybody. I love so many things. Mm, okay. I think yeah. I, I'll put it in the area of seafood, like oh. oysters and lobster, the whole grouping. Mm. Like, I think I'm, a I food, love the a food group. You have a food group. Then. I'm food group. Okay. Fair enough. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh, again, I have a couple. Go ahead. Give us I two. I really would like to go to Tahiti. Ah. I'm going to put that one as, uh, as maybe in and combine that with a trip to New Zealand. Okay. So that part of the world I've really never been in would be fun. Awesome. Exciting to go and beautiful. Fantastic. What is your favorite way to take care of yourself? Oh, great question. I like going for what I call meditative walks outside in nature, mm -hmm. really being present, slow, yeah. peaceful, mm -hmm. connecting walks to my senses into nature. It's 
yeah, very empowering for me to be in nature in that way. Mm, beautiful name. Okay. You're going to be mad at this question too, but if you can name <laughs> one book that has changed your life. Oh my gosh. This is really hard for me. <laughs> um well I probably said this last time but I think the dance of anger okay is by um Harriet Lerner Goldhar mm. is probably the book over my lifetime that's had the biggest impact on me so that's why I would choose that because I've read like a lot of books and it's it's just because I read it when I was in my twenties and it gave me a really a uh, sense of empowerment and relationship or realizing that I had a lot of choice about how to create a relationship that worked with me versus being a victim in a relationship. And I think that overriding um, knowledge and knowing helped me through the years. And I've obviously recommended to clients through many years. So it's probably had the most impact on me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have one tip or one takeaway for the listeners? <laughs> the one is always hard when you're somebody like me who has so many ideas. <laughs> What's coming to me right now with regards to this whole conversation around the masks and how we hide behind the masks is I think the secret to moving forward in this area and doing it in a way that has some more compassion and is curiosity. I would say take on an attitude of curiosity and just get curious about how you're being in the world and behaving and maybe ask yourself questions like, why did I really decide to do that? Or why am I behaving this way? Or why did I make that choice? Or why did I not do this activity? Mm -hmm. To start asking yourself questions on a regular basis, I think can provide some really, um, important insights that can help move you forward. Yeah, I love that. That is a great tip for sure. Thank you. I'm going to use that one more myself as well. So if the listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? So my website is margozaer.com, M-A-R-G-O-T-Z-A-H-E-R.com. And you'll find out a lot about me there. Um, I'm also, the book we've been discussing um, the Golden Cage from Entrapment to Empowerment is on Amazon. So you can go ahead and download that if you wish. And also I have a program called From Stuck to Unstoppable and you can find that also on my website. So, and I would absolutely love to um, interact with anybody who's interested in kind of getting to know me a bit better. This is such a great topic. Thanks for having me, Kim. Oh my God. Thank you for coming on again. And I will have all that information in the show notes as well. So, um, that'll be fantastic. And I'm really glad we did this again. It was such a good conversation. Yes. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. And, and it was completely different from our last conversation and you and I are, you know, we all are in different places in our life at different times. So it never hurts to even hear something again from a different lens. And I think that's what we offered today. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Masks Off. And I can't wait to see you next time here. And if you liked what you heard, I would love it if you subscribed, liked, or commented. Take care, everybody. 
If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to take the next step to overcoming your people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, reach out to me at kimgrosscoaching.com for a free discovery call. Also, if you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you subscribed or left a review. And remember, remove your masks and create the life that you desire.